0: welcome to the Passenger Seat Podcast. A podcast designed to fill your passenger seat with chat about classic cars, all recorded from my 1968 Morris Minor Peggy. I'm Becca and today I'm driving over to my parents' house to have a cup of tea and hopefully collect a few uh, camping bits and pieces for our trip to Kelmarsh next week uh, for the end of season picnic and spares and we're going to camp for the first time, uh, first time trying to fit those sorts of things into Peggy, we've got ourselves a tent and everything, so really looking forward to that, um, but actually it probably would have made more sense for today's podcast topic if I was commuting, um, but we'll get onto that in a little bit. recently been started back up and uh, a friend of mine is trying to get it all organized and things like that Uh, the first month was quite a busy one there was quite a few people there lots of getting to know people Uh, this week this month was a little bit quieter I know there was a lot of things on in the area and coming towards the end of the season uh, a lot of people have other things booked in but the few of us that were there had the opportunity to share quite a lot of really interesting stories about our ownership of both Morris's and other cars and and things like that and some other stories that we'd heard um, during our times during car clubs. Filled the evening so well, passed so quickly, um, even though there was just a few of us, and it's so good to be able to share some of those stories. Um, And perhaps I have to think about maybe adding a few more, I guess, story-like podcasts, Uh, So that some of these sorts of stories are kind of preserved for other people to hear because some of them are so fascinating and interesting um, That uh, I guess the the ex-historian in me uh, thinks that these sorts of oral histories uh, are going to be pretty interesting for other people and uh, potentially uh, useful for future historians seen from the podcast title and also hinted at in that introduction part. Today's uh, topic is actually commuting, uh, which might sound like perhaps not the most interesting topic, um, but I'm very fortunate to work with some very interesting people um, in my day job and uh, they've read some very interesting books and I was having a... A really fascinating conversation with a few of them a couple of weeks back and one suggested this book called reading the everyday um, by joe moran and it had some really interesting discussions and topics about kind of the history and the connotations and the social impacts of a lot of everyday things now i've only just started reading some of it um, but there was a particular section that kind of spoke about uh, commuting and uh, w- how kind of commuting has evolved and changed for a lot of people um, since the in- invention of the car and the idea of suburbs and things like that and I thought it'd be a really interesting topic um, because I obviously commute within with Peggy, Peggy is my everyday car if you don't know already and so. Winter and, and summer and spring and, and autumn, as it is now, uh, Peggy is the car that gets me to and from work. And when I was reading some of the kind of observations that had been made um, by uh, Joe Moran through looking th- through other research um, and also their own research, it was interesting to think about how potentially me choosing to travel to and from work. Um, in a slightly more unusual car um, is not only potentially good for my mental health, good for my work-life balance and uh, almost a little bit of social dissent really made for quite an interesting thing to think about and I kind of wanted to share this with you guys um, hopefully hear some of your opinions because I know that whilst perhaps using a 53-year-old car to commute um, to and from work every day is uh, a little unusual, um, even in winter and things like that. There are a large number of people who, in recent years, have started using their classics during the summer months for day-to-day driving. Uh, There's somebody, I've yet to identify who, at my workplace who drives to work during August and September in a Citroen Lomax, um, from 1984 I think it was and uh, I try and park Peggy next to it in the hope that at some point we'll get to meet up and have a nice conversation about using uh, these unusual cars for our day to day business um, a lomat being particularly unusual choice and it certainly uh, doesn't make it out as frequently if we've got a wet September but we've had quite a good one um, but also uh, there's drive your Beetle to work days and things like that that are all integrated into the uh, classic car calendar that is really starting to make me think about the idea of whether using a a classic car does fit into uh, a way of I guess challenging the norms of society uh, which is a a concept that I'm quite familiar with um, having got uh, a social sciences background myself um, but perhaps would be good to talk about um, with some more people from other backgrounds as well, and hopefully, we can use this podcast in a little bit of a chatty way to do that today. So, in Joe Moran's book, they note that pre pandemic, uh, as the book was written then, uh, not only were more and more people traveling to and from work they were also traveling the furthest distances to work that we'd seen for a really long time and a lot of the reasons for that are that we see are seeing lots of people being employed by larger companies who have one place where all the employees congregate to so rather than having lots of smaller Uh, offices dotted around the place that were quite close to where people live. We've seen people moving out of those sorts of jobs to uh, regional offices and things like that. Obviously the pandemic has changed that slightly. Um, We've seen this move to more online working and I know that the job sector has also seen people uh, looking specifically for a job that they can flexibly work from home sometimes and come into the office um, more occasionally. So we might yet see the way that commuting is viewed uh, change and uh, become uh, a slightly different uh, understanding and norm, but it certainly made me think uh, quite a bit about this idea that for a really long time we have been traveling to and from work and uh, the the way that we do that is often uh, a choice um, there's lots of different modes of transport that are available and sometimes it's not a choice Sometimes you live in a place or you're getting to a job in a place that means that your only option is to Travel by car so you're going to need a driving license and things like that uh, Whereas other times you've got the choice of, of using a train or a tram or a bus or something else instead so we've already got the fact that I have chosen to travel to and from work in a car Um, initially when I lived I initially when I started the job and I lived at home I I did sort of have the option to get to and from work in on on the train Um, I had to do that a few times actually when uh, the car that I was using at my parents house was in for motifs and things like that Um, and it wasn't uh, a bad trip at all. Uh, I'd kind of get myself to the station or my dad would drop me at the station. We'd get the train um, and then my work was about a 10-15 minute walk from the train station. Uh, but it certainly was not as it, almost enjoyable, If even though it was faster, as driving to and from work. But, individuals that use the train an interesting observation is made in that book that i uh, looked at in that a lot of the time people aren't using their commute when they're on the trains uh, to get some extra work done to answer emails and things like that and i think as cars have become more technologically advanced we we're seeing that with the cars as well Um, yes you're driving but in a lot of modern cars you've got the option to take phone calls Um, to uh, perhaps have emails read to you by your your digital computer systems and things that are in the cars and I imagine that's only going to become more and more the case especially as cars perhaps come a little bit more automated and there's less of a risk attached to them allowing you to see these sorts of bits of information alongside uh, you driving Uh, whereas I think that the first Note that you'd get in terms of me choosing to have my commute in Peggy is the fact that there is no digital systems. Taking a phone call in Peggy is impossible. Obviously, um, we've got the benefit at the moment of having the mic and everything rigged up so you can hear me fairly clearly. Um, but one time I did have to take a hands free call because um, I use my phone in front of me as the speedo. Uh, I did have to pull over pretty quickly. Uh, when an opportunity became available because the person just could not hear me over uh, the engine and things like that. So it's, I'm already dedicating this time really to it being a drive and uh, nothing more than that. I can't look, look at emails. I can't hear emails. Um, I can't take messages or things like that being read to me or or, or anything like that. So by using a classic car, I'm almost having a better work-life balance because not only am I not taking part in those sorts of, of work things on the way to work and I think it could be really easy to fall into that trap, but also I'm engaging in something that is an interest and a hobby for my commute every single day. And that's something that uh, Joe Moran sees happening um, as people have started to go on the trains. Yes, some people will uh, look at laptops, look at their phones and, and their emails and things like that. But also we see people on trains and on subways and on metros and on buses reading, listening to music, Listening to podcasts, knitting, doing all sorts of things in these spaces that is making the most of this time. That if you're not really enjoying your car drive or not really enjoying your train drive, it can be kind of a a non time. Um, And there's an argument that um, we're waking a lot of people up stupidly early to drive into an office. And that drive or that that train ride is uh, a waste of, of time. It's unpaid labour because it's something that you have to do to be able to do your job, but it's not covered by uh, doing your job in terms of salary or wages or anything like that. It's just an expectation that you would turn up, and so this this unused time is making uh, is is turning us to look for ways to make it as as enjoyable as possible, rather than looking to, uh... this unused time is either falling into two categories. It's either falling into the make as much of it as you can in terms of working towards work, or make as much of it as you can in terms of enjoying the time that you've got. And I certainly feel that by choosing to travel to and from work, and I think that a lot of other people who drive their Classics, even if it is just for summer, to and from work, uh, I'm making a choice that I'm going to use that particular time to enjoy myself as much as possible. And I know that if it's a glorious day like today, and I'm driving home from work, I may even take a detour to enjoy my time in the car even more. I also want to touch on the idea of traffic, um, because traffic is quite often an inevitable part of some people's commute. I know that when I lived um, with my parents, I had to kind of get down the A1 and I knew that if I hadn't left by a certain time, I would spend uh, maybe 20 minutes getting down the A1, 20-30 minutes getting down the A1, but I would probably spend 10-15 to 15 minutes sat in some congestion getting into uh, the, the town that they lived in and it would just be standing sti- stand still, slowly kind of creeping our way forwards and uh, eventually uh, getting into, into the town. And I made choices to basically try and avoid that. I would either try and leave those few minutes earlier or if I missed that window and I knew that it was gonna be bad, I would often stay at work that little bit longer to uh, avoid, coming home and sitting in that and then still having to do a little bit of work when I got home. If I did that little bit of work when I left, before I left, I would get home faster and then not have to do stuff at home. Fortunately, where I live now, I don't face quite as much traffic, but they do tend to do quite a lot of road works and, and bits and pieces on these uh, Fendland roads that are uh, susceptible to subsidence and so uh, you might have noticed a little earlier that there was a, a little bit of uh, some traffic lights and things like that and I've actually had to take a bit of a detour today to my parents' house even because they've closed off a, an entire section of road completely there's not even a kind of a little uh, traffic light bit around the bit that they're working on it's closed off completely and so I had to go in through a completely different way. And this idea of kind of congestion and traffic interestingly has been around longer than peggy Uh, there's notes of it being talked about in france and in paris as early as the uh, 1950s it's talked about in new york in discourse in the 1950s and 60s and uh, this kind of discussion about having traffic is is really interesting because it's an inevitable part, but yet we all get kind of annoyed and things when we see it. But I've really found that if I'm in Peggy, the traffic weirdly doesn't seem as bad. Obviously this is the luxury of having a classic car that I'm not worried about overheating when it's in traffic, um, because I know she's reasonably reliable and we've dealt with any overheating issues. And the fact is the heat is on, um, I'll wind down the window and if we're sat there for a while, then we're sat there for a while So I find myself now just sitting in traffic and just generally enjoying being in my car that I love um, enjoying kind of the, the visuals around it may be that because The, the, the drive home now is through these fenland country roads. It's a little bit prettier and, and, and more to look at and enjoy but also It it is down to being Peggy, in Peggy. I don't think I've ever driven her on a drive home without a smile on my face. I don't think I've ever not pulled out the keys from the bottom of my bag at the end of the day and gone, actually, this this is a really nice thing to look forward to. I think I mentioned on a previous podcast that actually I had to use Jamie's car for a little bit to um, go to him and from work while well, we did a little bit of things on Peggy. And um, I remember uh, pulling out the keys to his car from my bag and just that moment of going, Ugh, uh, it's not, it's really, there's just a visible mood change in terms of the car that I'm driving at the end of the day and therefore, I feel like I don't mind drive home. I actually, on a, a lovely day like today, may make uh, a kind of diversion on the way home to just have that little bit more me time in, in the car, um, enjoying my, my travels and uh, enjoying this kind of unique space where I'm able to have a bit of kind of it's, it's almost self care, and I think it's a very interesting concept to think that just having a bit of time in your car, um, in my case, either recording a podcast or listening to some music or uh, listening to a podcast, um, we might be able to kind of actually look after our mental health. and and people and charities setting themselves up to think about the fact that actually our classic cars can be a really good way of addressing mental health. And I don't think it should be overlooked that commuting and and not having a good work-life balance is something that's come up quite a lot in terms of mental health from the pandemic. And there's been a lot of discussions about the idea that actually sometimes working from home be hugely beneficial for you being able to fit in some exercise or things or some other hobbies that you have and don't have time for but i feel hugely privileged that actually my commute is is frequently uh, something that i enjoy massively it's it's driving the car that i like best and having uh, a really nice time whilst doing it of my interesting ish ramblings about this topic i'd love to hear kind of some of the things that you do to sort out uh your commute or to enjoy your car or if you've ever kind of taken your unusual car for a trip to work or or similar um, at some point i really enjoyed uh, kind of thinking about this topic personally, um, and reading about it, and I'd hope to, in future, do a few more kind of discussions about kind of the imp- the history of, of of these aspects of driving uh, that perhaps we don't think about so often. to leave you with a really interesting quote from the Joe Moran book. I'm going to have to paraphrase it um, due to the fact that I'm driving and um, I can't read it uh, verbatim but it made an interesting point about the fact that traffic is an unfortunate inevitability of the fact that we are driving um, and your car is essentially an area of personal space where you can either feel um, embattled or emboldened. And I thought that was a really interesting way of putting it. You can either sit in a car and feel frustrated and enraged at the fact that you're in traffic or uh, other drivers or uh, kind of the road conditions and so on. But for me, I, unless something's going horribly wrong with Peggy, uh, sit in my personal space bubble of my Morris Minor and feel incredibly emboldened by taking my commute in a car that makes me so very happy, that gives me a great start to the day and something to look forward to uh, at the end of the day where I can have uh, a moment's peace and a moment to kind of reflect on the day but also engage in uh, my hobby. Thank you so very much for listening Um, hopefully it's been an interesting and slightly unusual podcast for you um, and you've got some things to think about and drive safely and happy motoring